0: Hi everyone, Uh, welcome to Mitcham Hills, Um, glad that you could join us. If you're watching us from Victoria, we are thinking of you in this lockdown at this time. Um, Today Graeme is uh, bringing us a message on Jesus at his best, so hope that you can um, sit back and enjoy this message with us.
1: Begin with a question, and uh, I'm going to get you to just talk to the person next to you about it, so it's, it's another difficult question. What's the best and most healthy thing a person can eat? What's the best and the most healthy thing a person can eat? Talk to the person next to you for 10 seconds, and we'll see what we come up. What do you reckon is the best and most healthy thing a person can eat? <laughs> okay. How many said pizza? I did initially. Yeah, yeah good, good. A man after my own heart, Scott. We'll catch up later. Um, what did you come up with? Honey. Huh? Broccoli. Broccoli. Whoa, okay, what else? Honey. Hmm? Honey. Honey. I think a hamburger. Hamburger. Yeah, an Australian hamburger, with all the salad and Thanks, Rodney. Look, Rodney's visiting from Kimber, so we'll just excuse yeah. him saying hamburger. Um, obviously, clearly on the Eyre Peninsula, that might be the most health. Yeah? Phil, you had the answer. Bananas. Bananas? Yeah. Bananas. Now, what is it? I'm in a bit of trouble here because you're now expecting me to tell you I've done this research and found out what the best and most healthy thing to eat. And, well, it's chocolate. <laughs> I've got no idea. I just thought I'd ask you and see what you said. Um, We're in this series called Best. And last week Cullen began the series and he talked about three people, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and how God uh, uh, saved them. And over the next three weeks, we're going to continue this series. Today, I'm talking about Jesus at his best. Next week, we're looking at you at your best. And then the fourth week, we're looking at the church at its best. So the question today was, is when was Jesus Christ, the son of God who lived on earth, when was Jesus at his best? On the cross. Well, you're all going to give different answers. So I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give a bit of an intro and then we'll go through some options. The first thing is, Jesus was always at his best. Jesus was fully God and fully man, so Jesus was always at his best. Always giving and being his best. And that makes him very different to me and you. This may shock some of you uh, completely, um, but the other morning, I just woke up feeling a bit grumpy. Has it ever happened to you? I just wasn't at my you know, my usual best. And sometimes when I'm tired or busy or under pressure or hurt by somebody, I might not be at my best in the way I relate to people. But Jesus was always at his best. Always giving his very best in loving, in serving, in listening, in caring, in supporting, in confronting... Always giving his best. The Bible puts it like this. He never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. Jesus was always at his best. And so technically, I could just stop the message there and give you an early minute and you could all go home. But we're not going to do that. So don't uh, consider it. Knowing Jesus was always always at his best is a sort of an encouragement for us to try and be our best. But I want to think about, are there any specific times when Jesus was actually at his best while he lived on earth? And I need to say straight away, there will be a whole lot of different opinions. For instance, some of you might say, Jesus was at his best when he was teaching. I mean, people actually said, no one ever taught like Jesus. No one with the authority, and the clarity, and the creativity. So maybe Jesus was at his best when he was teaching. Others might say, well, I think Jesus was at his best when he was doing those miracles. I mean, feeding 5,000, walking on water, calming a storm, raising somebody from the dead. Jesus was at his best when he displayed God's power. Somebody else might say, well, you know, really, Jesus was at his best when on a cross, He prayed a prayer, forgiving the people who'd crucified him. And of course, lots of you would say, Jesus was his best when he died on the cross. Surely Jesus was at his best when he died on the cross for our sins. Otherwise, we could never be forgiven and have a new life. But somebody else might pipe up and say, oh yeah, but I think Jesus was his best when he rose from the dead. Because if he hadn't risen from the dead, none of us could know him now. And others might say, well, I think Jesus was at his best when he told the disciples to go and preach the good news to all people because if they hadn't done that, we'd have never heard and we wouldn't be here. There's a whole lot of opinions about Jesus when he was at his best. And I don't mind where you fall in that. But this morning, because I'm up the front here, I'm just going to give you another option of when I think Jesus was at his best. But before I do that, I want to read to you A short story. It's a true story. I was over in Kangaroo Island speaking a couple of weeks ago and after the service we were having lunch uh, with a group of people from the church and there was a lady sitting opposite me who just exuded love and joy. And so I sort of uh, said to her, I said, and how are you going? And she said these words, well things are so much better since I chose to give my life to Jesus two months ago. That sort of got me interested a bit, a bit like the story of the, on, on the Alpha. And so I asked her for her story, and this is what she's, she said. Uh, and she wrote some of this down, so I'll read it. A year ago, I would not have believed how much my life has been enriched by the level of faith I've received. I always thought I was a Christian. The pattern of my worship involved praying irregularly, usually when I was worried about something, and even less regularly attending church about three times a year. I recently invited Jesus into my life as my Lord and Saviour. I've gone from being a spectator of what Christ does to having Him as my constant companion. I've seen how through Jesus I can live free of fear. I've grown as a Christian by joining a women's Bible study group, and I read the Bible each day. Church services have gone from something to be endured as a duty to a pleasure. Christmas means so much more to me this year because now I really know the one born in Bethlehem. I don't know about you, but I love hearing stories of individual lives that have been changed by Jesus. And for me, I think Jesus was at his very best when he would move away from the crowds and he would get up close and personal to someone and he would offer them forgiveness. Or a fresh start in life. Or a second or a third or a fourth or fifth chance. I think Jesus was at his best when he got up close and personal with other people and he gave them a challenge and a vision for the future that put a spring in their step and gave them a purpose to live for. For me, the passages in the Bible that touch my emotions, and I watched that clip of the Tan or whatever it was on, the Alpha, and I got quite emotional. Passages in the scriptures and stories that touch my emotions and bring a lump to my throat are when an unsuspecting man or woman has an encounter with Jesus and their life is changed. I think that's Jesus at his very best, changing a human life. That's my opinion of the many. And there are lots of examples, and we heard one of them read to us. I just want to run through the story in John chapter 9. Where Jesus goes along and he comes across a man who's been blind from birth. Here's Jesus on a mission of God to save the world, but he notices this guy on the side of the road who'd been born blind and almost certainly was begging. You see, it was a pattern of Jesus' life to notice the individual. He noticed Matthew, a tax collector, sitting in a booth. He noticed Zacchaeus hiding up a tree. He noticed the woman who touched the hem of his cloak. He noticed the widow at the funeral of her only son. Jesus noticed people. And he noticed the blind man and Jesus notices people today. You see, right now when Jesus looks here, he doesn't see the 60, 65 people who are gathered here. Jesus sees you. And he knows your name and he knows your story. He knows your heart. He knows your heartache. He knows you. He knows how you feel about your past He knows what you're thinking about in the future. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what you're afraid of. Jesus sees people one heart, one story, one name, one life at a time. And Jesus sees you today. And whoever you are, whatever you've been and done, he wants to come to you and he wants to say, I love you and I want you to meet me so that you can have a new life. I see you as you are. I know what you're going through. I want to help you. And so I thought just before I go on with the rest of the story about blind man, we just pause and I just want to pray. It's not the end of the sermon prayer, so I don't feel that. It's just, I thought we'd pray from it. Let's pray. Lord, I'm sure some of us here are facing some tough times. And right now, even as we sit here all looking okay, maybe our hearts are breaking. Or maybe at least we're feeling anxious or worried or tired or afraid. Jesus, you see us one by one. I pray that we would all sense you speaking and saying, I'm here, I see you, I know your name. I love you. Thank you for your promise, Lord, that if we come near to you, you will come near to us. And I pray you would come near to us now by your spirit. Amen. So Jesus sees the blind man, blind from birth. It's interesting, the disciples notice the blind man as well but they see him as an unsolved riddle. Jesus sees him as an unsaved life. I mean, the disciples show show no interest in actually helping this guy. They see him as an opportunity for a theological debate. Who sinned so that this man is born blind? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus answers the question. He says, no, 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 God doesn't work like that. His blindness wasn't caused by his own sin or his parents' sin. But he doesn't dwell on the theology of it. He moves quickly and he helps the man and he helps him in a most unusual way. He spits on the ground, makes some mud out of the saliva and puts it on the man's eyes. And there's no COVID social distancing here, folks, I tell you. It's up close and personal involvement now the blind man doesn't see any of this of course he's blind but he feels the touch of Jesus and he feels the weight of the mud on his eyes and he hears Jesus say go and wash in the pool of Siloam so he heads off and he probably has to get some people to lead him the way and he washes in the pool He washes the mud off his eyes and a miracle happens. For the very first time in his life, he can see. He's been blind from birth, he's never seen anything. Now he can see people and the sky and trees and birds. He can see expressions on people's faces. He can see colour. And boy, does he get excited and he starts telling all these people around him, cool, what's that up there? What's that? For the first time in his life, he can see. It seems that Jesus didn't hang around to be thanked because he doesn't appear. He's he's gone off somewhere else. And so Jesus isn't there when this guy, and this is the rest of the story that wasn't read, he gets into all sorts of trouble, folks. The religious leaders of the day, you see, are hanging around and they hear this guy going off the deep end because he can see and that he's been healed, but he was healed on the Sabbath when you're not supposed to do any work. So all these religious leaders start quizzing this blind man Hey, how did this happen? Who did it? And the blind man just says, Well, Jesus did it. He put this stuff on my and I can see. And there's all this talk and debate and division and people are saying, Ah, Jesus can't possibly be from God who did this. He's a sinner. And there's all this argument going on. And eventually the blind man sums it up in some fantastic words, which I encourage you to have a look at later in verse 25. He ends up and he just says, no, John nine twenty five. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. I love that part of the story. Cuts through all the, whatever word you want to use, cuts through all the rubbish, all the questions, all the debate, all the accusations, and he says, Look. One thing I can tell you. I was blind and now I see, and Jesus did it. I can't answer all the theological questions. I can just tell you what happened to me and what I know. I was blind, and now I see, and Jesus Christ did it. You know, over the years in ministry, I've been with people in some pretty tough times. Families facing a cot death suicides, terrible accidents, marriage breakdowns, financial crises, terminal sickness, and on it goes. Terrible things, and we've all been with people like that. I remember when I lived in Woodna being called to the local hospital because a dad had backed his car over his three-year-old son. And as we waited for the air ambulance to come from Adelaide to take the boy to the RA, we just sat there with this boy and his dad. And you could see the tyre marks over his head. It was horrific. What do you say in a time like that? I sat with a dad whose young wife had just committed suicide and left him with three little kids. What do you say? I sat with a mum and we'd sat with her 10-year-old son who'd been fighting leukaemia for five or six years and he died right in front of us. What do you say? You know what I mean. You've been in situations like that. And I tell you, there are no easy answers to the very real questions people ask. And I can tell you, glib answers are just hurtful and painful. And that's where the words of this blind man, I think, are so helpful. Because frankly, in tragic times, I'd say to you, the best thing sometimes you can do is just shut up and say nothing and be there. But if you have to say something, and if I say something, I try and say something like, I don't know why this is happening, but one thing I know, God cares and God is grieving too. I don't know. All the answers, says the blind man. But one thing I know Jesus did it. (laughs) The religious leaders, when they hear the blind man, you think they might have thought, oh, well, okay. They get even crosser, and there's more debate, and there's more argument. And again, this bloke who's been blind from birth comes up with another brilliant statement, which is deeply theological. He says in verse 32, nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. I think he said, it may have been somebody else, as I reflect, but somebody said, nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. You see, as far as I can see, this is the first time ever somebody's healed who was born blind. In the Bible, no prophet, as I can see it, no disciple, no priest, nobody ever healed a man who'd been born blind. There were lots of other miracles people did, even raising people from the dead. And Ananias healed Paul, but he wasn't born blind. This is the first time somebody is healed who'd been born blind. Why is that important? I think it's important because it shows once again that Jesus Christ was unique. He wasn't an ordinary prophet, an ordinary teacher, an ordinary healer. This was God in the flesh. God who opens the eyes of the blind, and it was another sign of who he was. The healed man points out the uniqueness of the healing. You'd think it might have cleared the air, but it gets worse, and the Pharisees come along, and they throw this guy out of the synagogue. Whoosh! Throw him out all he's done is sat there, all he's done is been healed, he's kicked out. Well, to cut a long story short, apparently Jesus hears about this, he's gone away somewhere and he comes back and he looks for the blind man again because he wants to meet him one-to-one again. God loves coming back to us again and again and again. And he finds the man and to paraphrase the conversation a bit, he says to the man, do you believe that God's going to send a saviour into the world? And the man says, Tell me more. And Jesus says, I am the Saviour. And the man says, I believe. And he worshipped him. And that moment, this blind man got a whole lot more than receiving his sight, he received a new life, a fresh start, forgiven, cleansed, and hope for the future. And for me, reading that story of Jesus healing the blind man illustrates Jesus at his best. Touching the eyes of a man born blind and changing his life forever. And you know, there's lots of other stories in the Bible of Jesus encountering someone and changing their life. Jesus leaving a crowd and going up to the one. Matthew, Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, Nicodemus, a crippled woman, a widow, a leper. And I just think that's Jesus at his best, moving away from the group, going up to the person, focusing on who they are, sometimes calling them by name, and offering them a fresh start in life. Jesus did his best. And you know, Jesus did that for me. I can still remember the date, August the 18th, 1963. And I was in a crowd of people. And Jesus came personally out and reached out to me and transformed my life, forgave me the past, gave me a sense of purpose and hope for the future, even beyond the grave. And I still remember that very day when Jesus was at his best and he changed me. And I know many of you have experienced that too. Jesus at his best coming to you. Jesus at his best. Coming to an unsuspecting man or woman. Meeting them at their point of deepest need and changing their life. So let me finish with four quick things, opportunities for you to respond. I just want to say, first of all, if you've ever had a personal encounter with Jesus at his best, and your life's been changed, I'd just like you to think back to this morning, this morning, where you were and what you were doing when Jesus at his best met you. Where were you? What were you doing? And would you stop this morning and just say, wow, thank you, Jesus, for being at your best and coming to me? Just say thank you. There's a second group I want to talk to. Those who still might be thinking about opening their life up to Jesus. And I just want to say to you, today can be the best day of your life. Today, you can be like that blind man. You can say, I believe... And all it takes, because Jesus sees you and knows you and loves you, all it takes is saying, Jesus, I want to meet you as you want to meet me. Please forgive me and come into my life and change me. And Jesus promises to give you a brand new life. Thirdly, if you've come to know Jesus at his best, I want you to think about... Are there other lives Jesus Jesus might want to touch through you? You see, there are people all around us who need to encounter Jesus. There are people who need to meet Jesus at his best. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you to think about who might God want to bless through you in 2021? I hope you're thinking about that. I hope you've written a list or you will write a list of a couple of people and pray for them. Think about inviting them to church. Think about inviting them to Alpha, Alpha marriage, so that they can meet Jesus at his best. And finally, I invite you to pray for the church here at Mitcham Hills, that God will use our imperfect church so that loads of people will meet Jesus at his best here. Because I pray as we share in the life of the church together, as we serve, pray, give and support. I pray that as Jesus continues to change us, I pray that loads of people will enter here and they'll meet Jesus at his best and have their lives changed. When was Jesus at his best? There's no need to get into a big theological argument about it. Frankly, he was always at his best. And whatever other opinion... That's fine. But today, I just want to say, for me, Jesus did his best when he leaves the crowd and he sees the one and he changes that life. And that's what Jesus wants to do today. He sees you and he sees me. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here now and that you see each one of us. Jesus, for those of us who've had a personal encounter with you, already and our lives changed we want to say a huge thank you thank you and lord there are others sitting here who are still thinking about it and that's great but i want to say to you today if you want to come back and invite jesus into your life for the first time or you want to do it as a recommitment i invite you to just say this prayer say jesus Thank you that you see me and love me. Please forgive me for the times I've failed you. Today I choose to meet you, to put my trust in you and to invite you into my life to be my saviour and leader. Please put your spirit within me and make me a new person so I can walk through forever with you. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would show us how we can touch the lives of others for you. And Lord, I pray that you would use this church. I pray that many people here would encounter you, Jesus, at your best and have their lives changed. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.
0: Thanks, Graham, for that word. On Jesus, at his best, uh, it was a challenging word for us, wasn't it? But an encouraging word for us. Uh, next week, Graham is going to be speaking to us again on um, "You at Your Best" as we work through this series on best. Um, if you, we're advertising Alpha. If that's something that you can be a part of with us, we'd love you to join us for that. That starts on March the second. Um, so. If you'd like some more information about that, you can check us out on the website. Thanks again for joining us here at Mitcham Hills Church. Have a great week.